Hey, it's Madison, the Black Eagle, and here's a highlight from today's show. Professor Jason Stanley, thanks for being on the Madison Show. And, Thank you so, and, so and, much for having me. And it's really great when we have listeners that um, encourage us and uh, to get certain authors on. And I've had just a, a, a little time to, just got the book in last week, so just a little time to sort of, 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 of to uh, go through it. But let me start with uh, the first question. The book is titled How Fascism Works, The Politics of Us and Them. How do you define fascism? So fascism is an ideology based on power, loyalty, and fear of the other. A way of thinking of it is Hitler's book is called My Struggle. Uh, His point is that uh, what gives you value is winning in a struggle. And if you lose in the struggle, you have no value at all. And fascism is the idea that some groups have just had this glorious past where they've dominated other groups, and they deserve more value because they've shown that they've won in a struggle. So you write, I I think it was one part I was reading, you say that there are ten pillars of of fascist politics. Uh, Now, is this historically and, and... did those were those pillars in use during Adolf Hitler's uh, reign in Germany and and Stalin's reign in 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 Russia in the Soviet Union? Excuse me. Uh, so what I do is I try to take uh, I I no they weren't in use they they were in use in the sense that they were present that they were uh, that they were parts of the way the ideology functioned. And I would make a distinction between Hitler and Stalin here. Why? Um, First of all, why would you do that? Because not every bad thing is fascism. There are things that are just as bad as fascism, but they're not fascism. So uh, Stalin, uh, the ideology behind Stalin uh, was not fascism. It was something different. It resulted in the murder of just as many people. Uh, But fascism is something that's based on race, that's based on an identity that's defined ethnically, uh, whereas the ideology that you find in Stalin or the ideology you find in China today uh, is different. It's not based on on skin color. It's not based on Aryans being superior to non-Aryans. I trace fascism back to the United States. Uh, Ultimately, uh, you know, the Ku Klux Klan is, is an ideology that is very fascist. The Ku Klux Klan uh, overlaps with uh, Nazi Germany. Hitler's very affected by the case of the United States. Uh, he's very affected. The Nazi Nuremberg laws uh, are based on our anti-miscegenation laws. In fact, the Nazi lawyers came to the United States and studied our laws yeah. and decided that one drop was too extreme and they would define Jews as one-eighth. Um, so, so fascism depends upon characterizing us in terms of race, in terms of ethnicity, whereas what you have in communism is class-based distinction oh, between us and them. Okay, got you. And what about and what about Mussolini? Mussolini is a fascist, without a doubt. Uh, Mussolini is. Uh, he talks about uh, Italian Empire being Italian. 
the Italians being superior to others, grander, uh, and uh, and uh, I mean he's he's uh, you you have the narrative of Italian superiority, whereas you know the Soviet the idea behind communist ideology is that workers around the world unite. It's not based on nationalism or ultranationalism. Of course, as we've seen from history, that can go as wrong as as fascism. Right. Stanley, uh, Professor Jason Stanley is my guest. The book, How Fascism Works, The Politics of Us and Them. Um, I, I got to tell you, as you were talking, and and again, at part of the book that I've, that I've read, uh, I, I, I'm thinking, hasn't fascism been part, one way or the other, of the United States history for quite some time? And I'll tell you what came to my mind was um, Andrew Jackson. Uh, Absolutely, that's a great example. I mean, you know, and particularly yeah. General Andrew Jackson and the the Trail of Tears and 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 the Supreme Court decision about Native American land and that type. But go ahead. So you're absolutely right that that you're absolutely right that uh, that Andrew Jackson and Hitler's Hitler our history of Native American genocide. Uh, is, uh, if not fascist, a precursor to fascism. I think that the full, full fascism requires some 20th century concepts that are absent in uh, the 19th century. So fascism requires, fascism requires, uh, fascism requires an enemy, usually communism. So fascism, it has this relationship to communism where you find fascist saying, if you don't choose us, then the communists will win. The cultural Marxists are dominating. The leftists are the enemy. So, um, but there's utterly no question that Andrew Jackson is a, is a strong precursor. Uh, Hitler, in his second book, says, who anymore speaks of the Red Indians? Uh, speaking, he speaks with great admiration of the genocide of the indigenous people. Uh, of America, and he sought to emulate that in the Ukraine. In Ukraine, um, so Hitler explicitly takes the history of the United States, uh, the genocide of the indigenous people, the enslavement of Black American citizens. Uh, he takes that uh, as uh, as a model um, in in his work. So, uh, abs- absolutely, Jackson's white superiority um, is a model for the idea of Aryan supremacy. Mm-hmm. Now, the, let me kind of—I'm kind of jumping around here because of time. Uh, the book "How Fascism Works." What is the role of media uh, as it relates to how fascism works and establishing this politics of us and them? So, there's two roles of media. First, and this is why I said that you need sort of the 20th century for the full structure of fascism, the ten pillars as I describe them. There's always this part in fascist politics which denounces the media as the enemy of the people. The media, they're supposed to be, the, the media is supposed to be controlled by a cosmopolitan uh, group of people behind the scenes. They're often the Jews. Uh, uh, and, and so fascist politicians run against the mainstream media. Uh, and they do so with the use of conspiracy theory. But very often, or characteristically, there is a uh, there are fascist media 
like Der Sturmer under Hitler, uh, the Fox, arguably Fox News today, uh, which serve as propaganda, uh, which, which spread conspiracy theories like birtherism was spread by Fox News, um, uh, that undermine uh, our relationship to the truth. And of course, media can be uh, complicit in the rise of fascist pol politicians. Hannah Arendt discusses this in Origins of Totalitarianism. When they focus on the sensationalism of that fascist politics thrive, thrives on. So Arendt tells us that fascist, fascist politics, politicians seek to transform politics into spectacle. So the idea is like you're always watching entertainment politics, entertainment television, instead of watching dull policy. Uh, you're, who's in, who's out? Arendt tells us that in fascism, you know, people are gripped to the idea, to, to, to the news, because they're thinking, who's going to be the next person who loses the loyalty, who loses the support of the fascist leader? Uh, and so instead of news, you've just got spectacle and entertainment. And of course, <laughs> since fascism thrives off an us-them distinction, when you have news that's based on an it, if it bleeds, it leads, then that feeds into the idea that members of outgroups are connected to crime, which is, of course, the lifeblood of fascist politics. You know what's interesting? Again, <laughs> um, I can't wait to really get into this book, but years ago, and my audience knows this, uh, years ago I had a program director that came from a conference uh, of t when talk radio was in its infancy, as we know it today. And he pulled the, the talk staff together, all the personalities on air, and said, we're going to start something, Professor uh, Stanley, known as infotainment. Right. In infotainment. And, <laughs> and, and we said, and Professor Stanley, we, you know, I, and I said in the meet, what the hell is infotainment? And you, you. basically you just described it. It, it, yeah. It's it's news and information, but it, it has this entertainment element to it, whatever it might be. But you just, in essence, describe what in what has really been going on for you know last two or three decades. And that's toxic for democracy because democracy requires calm, rational deliberation. The news should be dull and boring. It's the source of information where we get the most balanced checking of reality, not cherry-picked things to titillate us, because then we're going to get an entertainer as our, our leader. And entertainers are not do not represent the people. Uh, they represent themselves. Now, that obviously brings me, as I move forward here, to Donald Trump. Is Donald Trump a fascist? Now, I want to be careful. We're not living in a fascist State. And my book is not about fascist states, which differ from one another quite widely. Now, I think that when you talk about the structure of the United States, you have to say that the United States probably has been and is a fascist state for its black citizens, for instance. If you look at our prison system, uh, when you look at many, uh, especially poor uh, black communities, uh, when you look at massive over-policing, you do see clear characteristics of fascist states. But, uh, but you also, but you do have uh, freedom of speech. Uh, we can have this conversation on the radio, for instance, and you wouldn't be allowed to have that in a state that was fascist. Yes, right. 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 So, uh, so, 
so, uh, but I do think, you know, it's worth bearing in mind that when 9% of the world's prison population comes from the tiny population of 42 million black Americans, something has gone deeply wrong that's reminiscent of fascist states. But if, if we become, Professor, if we become uh, the biggest fear I have, again, is what happened in Germany, uh, we become a nation of what one of my mentors once said, a nation of onlookers. That's right. And, and that's been the goal, I think, of a, lot of, of, of a lot of the politics we see is to make us apathetic, to think that nothing matters. I think Donald Trump, to return to your initial question, is practicing fascist politics. I don't think in this contemporary, what we might call the new face of fascism, we don't have leaders practicing these politics completely abandoning democracy. Uh, they want, they seek pop broad popularity. They seek to retain elections, but they do engage in voter suppression. So you have uh, Mr. Trump uh, very much bearing down on fake news that enables voter suppression, um, uh, voter ID laws, things like that. They're trying to to uh, dismantle the apparatus of, of democracy. Uh, I think that there's very much, that, that's very much going on in the United States. And, um, and, the, and the question would be, to what end? The, you know, when, when, again, if Mussolini did it, Hitler did it, the end, the end was to create a fascist state. Excellent now, question. All right, what, so to what end? end? Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So I think, I think there are different ends here than there. I think Hitler wanted world domination. That is clearly not what you see with from Victor Orban, from Donald Trump, from Modi in India. They want they don't they don't seek large empires. I think the best way to think about these tactics is they're tactics to gain and retain power. And uh, the end of power is uh, is to enrich oneself uh, and one's family. So we see all of these leaders, Mr. Trump, Vladimir Putin, we see them using hyper-nationalism, pitting, pitting citizens against one another as a way to gain power, enrich themselves, uh, and enrich various interests. And if you see, if you look at the world today and you look at all these ultra-nationalist movements, their goal is to break apart connections between countries. And when you do that, who profits? Well, multinational corporations profit. Environmental, international environmental agreements like the Paris Accord break, uh, uh, break apart. Uh, uh, labor and environmental agreements that are agreed on on the international level break apart. Uh, and so, uh, so there's a lot of financial interest behind separating countries from each other and, uh, and undoing uh, an international order. And, and I, you would include in that uh, list NATO? Uh, NATO is complicated because it is connected to, uh, to uh, the Cold War and a kind of uh, pre-existing world order, yeah. uh, and it's military in, in right, character. Right. And fascism is always connected to the military. So I don't know how to think about NATO. Well, how about uh, if I brought up, uh, uh, let's say, at the uh, the the beginning of the uh, well, let's see, the the end of the 19th century, the beginning of the 20th century, the uh, Berlin Conference. Uh, 
the the uh, yes, exactly. I okay. mean, I, you know, and 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 uh, the the League of the UN. Yes. Uh, you yeah. know, the, those those international organizations that seek some kind of international liberal agreement. Right. 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 And and the, and again, us versus them. Uh, the, them uh, and and us, the European nations against the African nations, and right. dividing up Germany and and got I, I've got you now. Final question. Well, I shouldn't ever say that because it depends on the last <laughs> answer. <laughs> um, is 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 what your book? Is it to warn us? Is it to uh, organize us? How do we? keep fascism or at least the these 10 pillars of fascist politics from from being established or overtaking us so my book differs from the recent literature that calls that, that calls attention to crises of democracy like Madeleine Albright's book fascism a warning because that book though that literature is written uh, as if um, as if the point is, Here's this new threat. We were this wonderful liberal democracy in the United States, and, and then, you know, Russia interfered in our politics, and this happened. My book is not focused on Mr. Trump. It's focused on the United States and the United States uh, and the fact that the United States is always going to be susceptible to this kind of politics unless we go back and look at our history and uh, and not with rose-colored glasses, mm-hmm. uh, because if we don't have a frank confrontation of our history, we're always going to have a leader who comes and says, let's make America great, great again. again. Uh, right, right, again. right. Exactly. And so the problem is, uh, the problem is, I mean, the problem is not Mr. Trump. The problem is in the 1990s, when crime, when violent crime was steeply declining, we had a war on black Americans. Uh, you know, and and uh, you know, with with harsh calling fellow citizens uh, super predators and thugs, uh, which is kind a kind of language you never want to want to use with uh, citizens of your own country. We militarized our police. Uh, we engaged in foreign wars uh, that looked like they were religious conflicts in the Middle East. Uh, and when you have all of that together, when you have a militaristic empire. Uh, against uh, 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 foreign enemies of a different religion or a different skin color, uh, when you have uh, when you have a history of dividing your citizens along race racial lines, uh, when you have rapacious capitalism that divides citizens and makes them resentful of one another, you're going to have a Donald Trump again and again and again. So the point of my book is, unless we go back and have a frank confrontation of our, with our history, like for example Germany which is now the world's stablest liberal democracy, has had. Unless we have a frank confrontation with our history and see what led us to the place that led Americans to think that, uh, that they might want to make America great again, as it were, uh, we're going to see this again and again. This is not a one-off thing. Uh, Mr. Trump is not a one-off thing. We had both. We had the Iraq War, which is a colonial misadventure, much like the colonial misadventures that preceded the Second World War. Hitler greatly admired, you know, King Leopold and, and, uh, yeah. and was furious over the loss of, of German colonies in Africa. Right. So colonialism, 
uh, as we as we saw in the Iraq War, uh, empire, military empire, uh, uh, a massive prison system, uh, policing, uh, turning your own police into military. Uh, these are these are features that if you have them in your politics, you cannot be surprised. Uh, and and the features of the news that you talked about of the information space and the media environment right, right. when you allow conspiracy theories and news to become entertainment well history tells us these are the precursors to what we see now yeah the book how fascism works the politics of us and them and jason stanley professor stanley thank you so much i i um I tell you, I I got into it initially, and and someone had mentioned this in a at a dinner party, where uh, Hitler was in, was inspired by the Confederacy and Jim Crow, and, yeah. and you know, and I wasn't quite aware of that history. And matter of fact, the individual told me that he actually thought that we were, if I'm not mistaken, that Hitler thought that we were the the government was too hard on black people and not hard enough on Jewish people. Oh, oh, absolutely! Yeah, and it was, and it was actually Black Americans in in local Black American newspapers. Um, my colleague Glenda Gilmore has shown this. It was local Black American newspapers, not the New York Times, that in 1933, 1934, and 1935 recognized what was happening with the Jews of Germany. Um, they, they they were the ones who said, like in 33, they were saying, oh, the Jews don't have it in Germany, don't have it as bad as we do. And by 1935, they were saying, no, they have it worse than we do. It was black Americans, as as usual, who recognized what was happening uh, that was parallels to their own experiences. Um, so there's a long history of, uh, of, and of course, in the 1930s, you did, you know, you did have a strong fascist movement in the United States, with figures like Father Coughlin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, again, everybody, the book is there. It's, it's out there. Please, please uh, get order it, and we'll get it up on our social media, our Facebook, and, and I thank you and hope we can call on you again as we observe some of the things happening, uh, particularly here in Washington. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Great discussion. All right. You can listen to yours truly, Madison, the Black Eagle, live every Monday through Friday on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.